Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porras. Don't call me doctor. I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> I'm here with an extremely, incredibly special guest. Um, I think we share a sense of humor. It's one of the, one of the first things I noticed about him. Um, he's on Twitter. He's a, he's a bit of a... Um, he, he can cause some controversy, but I don't think he means to. I think he just is trolling a lot of times, which I can appreciate. I wish I had uh, a bigger um, um, bigger intestinal fortitude to, to be more of a serious troll, but I get really nervous about trolling. I think he's good at it. He is at Nick underscore BDGE on Twitter. That's where you can find his profile and his, his LinkedIn. He's got a, or not LinkedIn. Jesus, what are we? In? <laughs> I, got, I got LinkedIn too. We, we, we can connect anywhere, man. I'm always down to talk business, talk content, whatever you want to do everywhere. Yeah. So you can find Nick on Twitter um, at Nick underscore BDGE. Big dog's got to eat. And you'll find his link tree is what I was trying to say, where he's got just his YouTube, his YouTube uh, channel, which is his fantasy stuff at Nick, Nick Orcolano. And then his why you yelling podcast, which we were just talking about. Uh, he's got this episode that he posted on July 24th called Getting Wet Before the Uber. I told him I want to listen to that without context, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> we were also talking about, by the way, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'll, I'll give you a chance to talk first, actually. I'll let you breathe. Sorry. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I liked where the intro was going. I, you know, I, was, I was ready to let you roll for, for a long time because you were doing yourself justice over there, but if I have to open my mouth. Yeah, I'm definitely... You know what? I'm not a full-time troll. I'm not a full-time troll, and I don't mean to be a troll. You the dabble part-time, I'd say. The but I like it. It's in a good way. The problem here's the problem. It's 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 not me being a troll. It's just that fantasy football Twitter in itself is so much of a little bubble of I don't want to say positivity. I I have a I have a very big bone to pick. Okay, I'm gonna try to be like sophisticated. Let's pick it. In a sense. Let's see it. So fantasy football Twitter is I I tweeted this out a couple of weeks ago, and this is what caused a little bit of controversy. I said, the problem with fantasy football Twitter is that 5% of people actually tweet. The other 95% of people just link blogs or YouTube videos or whatever content to another website. And I'm like, that's not how Twitter is supposed to be used. They give you 140 characters to tweet valuable information out. And everybody in fantasy Twitter got up in arms about it. And they're like, you know, you how else you supposed to build your brand? How else you supposed to promote? I'm like, okay, where I I don't know when you got on Twitter. When I first got on Twitter, it was eight ten years ago when I was in high school, maybe like my first year of college. So the people I were following were just my personal friends. It was like 200 of my friends from high school and friends from college. So you could imagine what a Twitter timeline looked like then. It wasn't like my friend Steve tweeting out his blog post four times a day. It was just unadulterated, raw, just like jokes, random thoughts, questions, whatever it was, right? And that was a pure Twitter timeline. So that's where I came from. Now, coming over to fantasy football Twitter, it's people really just a billboard. The, the entire news feed is just a billboard. And I'm like, I never want to be like that because now I find myself subconsciously scrolling down the Twitter timeline and I'll see there are probably like 10 or 15 people whose tweets I actually want to look at. And if I see an Avi, sometimes I subconsciously just scroll by it knowing that it's probably some kind of promotion for something else. So it's like most of the dudes in the industry are super nice, right? And most of them are very hardworking and I appreciate that and I respect that. But like, Twitter is not used the way it's supposed to be. And what's funny about that post too is like people got up in arms about it, but I, I, I'm friends with some people that work at Twitter and I had DMs from them DMing me my tweet and was like, this is beautiful. Like, and most people are never going to understand what you're saying. So I go against fantasy Twitter only because I don't care about fan. Like I don't try to fit in. Right. I'm like, I'm way more obsessed with, I'm way more obsessed with 
my community, right? And my community is like based around, like you said, like my sense of humor. So the people that follow me are the people I would engage with in real life. So the way I talk on Twitter, the way I talk on YouTube is not as nothing to, I could care less what fantasy Twitter or fantasy football thinks about me. I am obsessed with like connecting with my community. And that's mostly like 20 to 30 year old kids that are like me that are mostly fucking idiots, but you know, just trying to have fun (laughs) over here. So that's the way I look at content. That's the way I look at Twitter. And uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I think that's beautiful, man, because you really nailed it. You talk about fantasy football. Twitter is it has become and it's not like I want to speak negatively about fantasy football Twitter because I'm the I'm a I'm a major uh, beneficiary of how nice people are on fantasy football Twitter. Um, I'm a beneficiary of people who went out of the way to, to put on for me a year ago when I started. Um, I think about people like uh, even I mean, the people, the dudes I'm with now, uh, fan, all the dudes at Fantasy Points, um, Polly, who's at Polly Sleepers and the Undroppables, like all those people I, I truly am, am thankful that they existed because they put on, you know, for me. At the same time, I feel like there is, and, and I'm nervous to say this because I don't want to antagonize anybody. At the same time, like you can't be too nice because there are a shitload of people on fantasy Twitter that putting out content. Mm-hmm. It is not the case. Like having good, con- there's no way all of it is good content. That's I'm just going to come out and say it. Yeah, I've, of, I've of looked course. at some of the content. <laughs> I've read and consumed some of the content. Some of the content, I'm literally like. Oh my God, that's awful. And I had a, a dude who I will not mention his name, but he, uh, he read, he reads people who interview for positions at this big website, this fantasy football website. And he's like, dude, 95% of that shit is garbage. He's like, you can't even read it. The research is wrong that you find typos and everything they send. He's like, it's garbage. And so it's difficult to like sift through all of the good content and pick out what the good content is and then put that on a pedestal. Um, Cause then you have to do it for everybody. Right. Cause then everybody just thinks you're leaving them out. It's like, but then yeah, I don't, I don't have the heart to be like, well, I don't just, I just don't think your content's very good. If that makes yeah. Sense. I mean, like I'm, I'm super comfortable just like not co-signing. I, I co-sign the people that I really think, you know, I hadn't, I had no, reason to to reach out to you and be like dude your work is really good other than i legitimately thought your work was really good and when i find people like that which is very few and far between because fantasy football is this this space that's getting extremely extremely saturated and you come on here and you see it's crazy man the the industry is crazy because we are as content creators we're the ones paving the way for the industry right it's typically like companies or brands like you think about it like uh the car industry right it's like you you don't have content creators choosing where the automobile industry is going right like we're the ones that are pushing the the wave no matter what we want to do like if we want to make best ball a big platform like or a big game type i'm going to start making best ball videos and we're eventually going to get the audience to start going there so we're in a space where it's like people see this this power as content creators and you know working hard is one thing i think that's like the bare minimum but that doesn't automatically like subject you to success. And you see yes. on Twitter, you see yes. people, yes. you see people with like ten thousand followers, and everyone who puts out blog posts, whether it's once a week or seven days a week, thinks that they've earned that, and they think that they should be. And you see, like you know, the companies like that you're working for, Fantasy Points, and a lot of these establish the runs, and you're seeing a lot of people go, you know, full time in the fantasy space, and people have these dreams. But like any other industry, there this this is like 0.005% of people get to go full time in this space. So if you're not going to be put, not, if you're not going to have a 0.005% talent as well as a 0.005% work ethic, 
I'm sorry, but like you don't really deserve to be in the 0.005% of people that are going to have this. And I think like it's blown up to a proportion where everyone is so nice and everyone is is like relatable in a sense. But at the end of the day, it's still an industry making money. And that in itself will filter out the people that don't really deserve to be making it. And like you said, I mean, people are really nice. Like I, I do a series on my channel behind the business of fantasy football, where I interview people strictly about branding and marketing within the space. And Andy Holloway, the footballers was the first dude to come on for the series. And he really put me on in a sense that like I could name drop him. And then everyone wanted to come on afterwards. He had no reason to do that. This was back when I had like four or 5,000 subscribers on YouTube and they were already blown up. Right. So this, he was getting nothing out of this other than just a conversation with me, which he didn't have to do. And Andy's a super nice dude. All three of the footballers are really good dudes. I met the entire team when they were in New York City last time doing their live stuff. But like it, it, it's 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 such a saturated place that, yeah, standing out is really difficult and you can't do the bare minimum. You can't expect other people to put you on. All you could do is work hard. And, and if you believe in yourself, like you have to have this undying belief in in what you're doing. I think if you're and it's not like, you know, you can't come into it and be like, OK, I'm going to start believing in myself now. I think it's it's there or it's it's not there. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't really know what read me led me down that whole rabbit hole. But I hope no, that- no, no, it's a good rabbit hole because it's a good conversation to have for people because a lot of people want to break into this space and it's understandable. And I, I'm not even talking from a place of like, oh, I feel like I've made it like I, I'm, I'm nobody, honestly, man, like I I am a product of like you said, putting in the work. And then I did get a good, good, fortunate break. Um, at the same time, I, I have since that time, the people who put, have put me on in the past have told me, you know, now, you know, you put out good work, you're doing a good job, they critique me, you're doing a good job here, you could do better there. And I feel like you said the hard work is where it starts. Just because you put in the hard work does not mean that you're going to break into this industry. And it could take forever. It could take, you know, five years, 10 years, but just the fact, just because you work hard doesn't necessarily, you know, entitle you to be in a space where you are doing this full time. And I think that fantasy Twitter has gotten so nice that we've sort of forgotten or, or we look, we, we turn the other cheek when it comes to talking about these hard truths that you, you are one fish in a massive pond with a mm-hmm. ton of other fish. And like yeah. you were saying, you're like, we are like, you know, a minnow and there are maybe 10 sharks in the water. And other than that, everybody else is a minnow. And with that information, I feel like it gives you more context to understand how much of, a, of an uphill battle it is so that as a, as a fantasy writer, as, a, as an aspiring fantasy analyst, you can look at your work and be critical because it's easy to look at your work and be like, oh man, you know, clap your hands and be like, it's fantastic. Look at this work. Look at this shit. I did that shit. I tied that shit. Right. Coach, Coach, Coach Carter reference. The market. And, yeah, exactly. Go ahead, go ahead, good. Good, good fucking reference. The market decides that ultimately. Like, you don't get to decide whether or not your fucking work is good or it's going to go viral, right? The market is the market and they decide. And, like, this is something I push in every one of those interviews. I'm like, guys, if y'all are trying to break into fantasy football, you're an analyst second. You are a marketer first. You need to be looking at the platforms. The social platforms are where the eyeballs are. If you want to gain leverage as an analyst, you need to have eyeballs on your work. You can't like if you're looking backwards at how people made it in the industry, you're done. Like you can't wa- you can't walk backwards and expect to take leaps forward. It doesn't make sense, you know? So you always have to be looking at what's next and you have to get there's going to be someone, you're right. Like you could work really really hard. It might if you started blogging today, maybe you can become full-time fantasy in like 12 years. You could start a TikTok profile tomorrow 
and get 100,000 followers by next week. Like that is the that is the leverage point of understanding the social platforms. And if you're not there, you're putting yourself so far behind in the world right now. It's marketing first. It's marketing first and then fantasy analyst after that. That's, this is such a good conversation. We didn't even plan for it. This is, this is beautiful. <laughs> Love it. The next thing I wanted to ask you about then, and sort of, this is not on script, but it sort of leads down the same path. Where do you stand on? Cause I remember when, <laughs> I don't remember who the guy was, but um, I think he tweeted something along the lines of like, can you please not tag me and stuff that you just want me to retweet with a bunch of other people? Mm, where, yeah. what do you, where do you stand on that, on that question, on that sort of uh, point of view? Like, do you want people tagging you in, all their random shit and maybe you've only had one interaction ever with this person or what do you think uh if i mean if i had my choice transparently like i i I would never be tagged in one of those kind of tweets ever again it's just like it's i guess it's really uh, just like annoying to be honest it's just like you have a question for fantasy and you tag 32 analysts and then next time i go on to the notifications there's like 40 notifications and uh it's it's just a personal thing i guess but once you start getting I don't want to sound like narcissistic, but like once you start getting a little bit of a following, those things come in more and more often and they start to take up more of your time and more of your energy. And I'm just like, I don't, you know, I don't really have that type of energy to put into, you know, and I I, I interact with people on Twitter all the time, but I don't have time to put into like those things and seeing 30 extra notifications that, that I didn't need. If you wanted to tweet me individually, you have a way better chance of me answering than tagging me in 50 other, um, 50 other analysts. So it, it's just like a personal thing. And it also made people mad on fantasy Twitter because I guess they like getting the questions, right? They like engaging with the fans and I do too, but I like engaging with the fans on like a human level, right? I'm not, I, I don't even, I mean, I like fantasy football, obviously, but I like, again, building the community and having like real human conversations like this one. Like, honestly, if we didn't bring up a fantasy football thing for the next hour, I would be fucking completely on board with that. Now, maybe we can do that. That's totally fine. I'm in. I, I think the last thing to say about that too is just don't get mad at people who don't want to be tagged in that stuff. You know, I get tagged in shit all the time and mm. I feel like I fill a, a unique space to where I almost feel like an obligation to help because there are so many few, like there are so few fantasy docs that can help answer that information. Right. Um, so I feel like I'm okay with that. Um, like you said, I am growing too. I'm not saying that I'm like to some massive on some massive platform, but it is getting harder to answer every single question with yeah. context and like nuance and, and everything that needs, needs to be that requires to answer the question. But at the same time, if you're not sure that somebody wants to be tagged and all that stuff, or if you don't want to be tagged and all that stuff, just communicate that, yeah. send a DM, maybe a tweet, maybe connect on another platform. Just be like, Hey man, I know you had a question. Next time you have a question, can you reach out to me personally? Maybe. Or, hey, you know, I'd prefer not to be tagged in those. Like, there's nothing wrong with not wanting to be tagged in those. And I think that's um, I think that's maybe where uh, we need to meet somewhere in the middle where mm-hmm. you should be okay to answer questions like most of us do. At the same time, don't just like spam people because that's not that's not cool either. Yeah, I, I also want to preface like not to sound like I'm on a high horse. I'm better than the people that tag me or anything, right? We're all just like humans talking one-on-one. When I started, like I started putting out YouTube videos maybe six years ago for the first three, probably four years, I answered every single YouTube comment, tweet, email, Twitter DM, Instagram DM that I got. There was no there was no question or comment that went unanswered, but it got to a point where I'm I try to be on every social platform and it gets overwhelming, right? So when I'm just like 
when something like that takes up specifically, you know, a, a 30 tag post, I know it was going to mean 30 notifications. It's like that, that is what kind of stifles me just because I don't have the time to sift through if this is, Oh, is this important? Like, do I need to actually see this? Is this something that someone else could answer? You know, that's where it starts to take away my, my focus on certain things. And now it's like, I have to be laser focused. I'm very, very, um, precise with where I put my energy, you know? That's fair, man. And I think for anybody listening that maybe feels like, oh, you know, these guys are just think that they're too good for us or whatever the case may be. That's not what we're saying. What we're trying to relay is that the great and Nick has a bigger platform than I do. So I can't even speak to this to a certain extent. It it legitimately you get DMs and we get DMs and tagged and stuff and emails and comments and replies on Twitter every day. I wake up and have 20 plus on my, and you probably have more than that, you know, every day. And I do my best personally to answer as many of those as I can. But like at some point you, should, you just got it. Like you got to move on with your life and do other stuff. Like I have a wife, you know, <laughs> I have two dogs. I have a full-time job. Yep. It gets difficult answering all those questions. So I don't ever want anybody to feel like I'm personally snubbing them. And it, it sounds like you feel the same, the same way. You don't want people to think that you're snubbing them. Like you just get to us, you just reach a certain bandwidth where you can't do it anymore. Yeah, no, of course not. And like it, it gets frustrating because you're so I'm so in the you know, we're in the grind like day in and day out. And, you know, 95 percent of the questions we get are are something that we've answered. Right. And but I can't go like, right. I can't, I can't expect people to watch every to single one that. of my videos. Right. And stuff. I can't be like, well, just watch my video today. Like I, think <laughs> I would rather, I would rather not answer than like throw out something corny like that. Like, Oh, pay for my draft guide, pay for my rankings. If you want to know that question, like I'm going to either answer it or I'm probably going to let it, let it slide. And if someone like follows up with a question, like they, I'll be like, okay, you know what? Like I'll, I'll come back and I'll answer the question for him. But I, I think there's like a way to go about it. And there's sometimes like, I, I also think most audience members are smart. Like they can understand where your position is, right? If they look at someone and I don't know where we're at, like subscribers on YouTube, I think we're maybe close to like 40 K and I don't think they all like expect me to answer every single question now, just because the bandwidth of what we're doing as a brand is, is, uh, is, is pretty large in a sense. So I think there's like give and take there's I, I try your best to be a good person, try your best to interact as much as you can, but like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let it affect my mentality. Right. I don't, if I put, put something out on Twitter and like the community is mad about it, I'm just like, I, I really, it doesn't, it doesn't phase me whatsoever. You know, I'd be, I'd be more upset if like one of my friends reached out to me and was like, why did you say this? But that would, right. that would never right. happen via fantasy football Twitter. And I do want to say there are people to that, to, to, to wrap up and to what we were saying. And maybe you can, maybe, you know, a person for you that tends to be, or maybe a handful of people that, do, that do this for you, but other people will like, quote tweet you or reply or like copy paste a tweet, for example, of, of how you already answered that question, mm -hmm. or they'll direct other followers to where you answered that question. And that's like a godsend, man. I love people who do that for me. I'm like, oh, thank God. There are a couple of them. I'll give it since we want. And since we're talking, you know, we do want to put people on. It's not like we don't, we don't highlight good work. Like you, like you messaged me and told me I was doing good work, which I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, there's one dude who his name, he's on Twitter. He's at jsnake underscore dff uh i've connected with him he's been like a day one i think for me uh but he is constantly replying to people who have replied to me and are he'll like copy the tweet where i responded to it or he'll send the article that i that i talked about that specific thing i don't know if you have like a handful of those you want to shout out or anything but i did want to give that guy a shout out for one uh yeah i, I definitely um i definitely have seen his name pop up multiple multiple times you know what? i'm going to give him a follow right now actually because Sounds like a good dude. 
uh, what was it? Jake, Jay Snake on the short. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, Snake, people, yep. there's definitely people that jump in. I mean, most of my audience is kind of filled with like uh, knuckleheads to keep it child <laughs> friendly. So, like a lot of the a lot of the times, it'll be like some someone like making a joke to the person who asked the question. So we don't always get like actual replies to it. But I'll, for the most part, if I remember that I sent a tweet about it, I'll go and copy the link and I'll send it under there because it's easier for me than re-explaining the entire thing. But there's definitely people that jump in and like, and have your back in that sense, which is really, which, which is what makes like Twitter and what, what makes building your own personal community so cool. Like when you see those things come to fruition, you're like, oh, people really are, are, are listening to what I'm saying, you know? And it's like, if they remember it because they went back, took the tweet, posted it to somebody else. So it feels, it feels good when you see something like that for sure. Absolutely. And so then sort of to that effect, then, um, how did you start? You said you just started your, you, so you started your Twitter in July of 2014. How did you start down this? Yeah. How did you start down this fantasy football? Man, it's like a, it's like a, it's bottomless pit. How'd you start? (laughs) Uh, I definitely didn't start on Twitter. I don't even remember like starting on Twitter, to be honest with you, uh, fantasy football wise, at least my own, my personal Twitter was probably four or five years before that when I was mentioning my friends and stuff in college, fantasy football altogether. I started a blog randomly when I was young, maybe like 19 or 20 years old. And me and my friends have this league that this year will be our 12th year together. And when we started it, we were probably in like eighth or ninth grade in high school. And I had won like three out of the first five years or something. So I thought I was a shit. I thought I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm good at this fantasy football thing. And my start to this blog was a genuine feeling of like, I could help people because I, I think I'm good at fantasy football. So I started my own like personal blog and I've, I've went back and read it and it was, I don't know where to find it now, but I remember rereading it a couple of years ago and it was so bad. And I'm like, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe my name was on some shit like this, but I started blogging and two things happened. One, I realized that I hate writing and I realized that I'm, I'm not a good writer. I communicate way better, like via voice like this or on camera, on video. I think like portraying yourself via video is super, super important and super uh, strong in terms of like building an audience connection. So I realized that like I was not going to be a blogger for the long run. I had to kind of pivot some way. And I also was looking at like the Google analytics behind my blog. And at this, at this point I was like way too nervous to actually put myself out there. Like I hadn't told anyone in my family or friends that I had started a blog with fantasy completely organic, any of the traction I got, but it was like August and I was looking at the analytics and I was like, yo, there's like a few thousand people per day coming to my blog for no reason other than me just putting out consistent content day in and day out. So I was like, okay, there's really something here. And I was like, I want to do videos. And I was like, okay, what is the platform that I could do videos on? And it was YouTube. And the first couple of videos, same thing, like in the same way that I was scared to kind of put myself out there and like be vulnerable by myself. I always knew that communicating by myself was the best version of me. It's the way I can give out the best value to my audience, but I was too scared to do it alone. So I pulled in like two of my friends. I was like, we're going to start doing fantasy videos. They definitely didn't care as much as I did, but we did a couple of them. We didn't really take it seriously for like the first summer. We probably put out like five, three to five. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Five videos the first summer. We grew to like 100 subs. The next summer, we took it a little bit more seriously. Um, one of them dipped off, and I think we replaced it with someone else, whatever. Long story short, we grew a little bit more. The next summer, I was like, okay, you know what? We've seen some like real organic traction here on YouTube. Like, what happens if I actually go all in on this, right? What happens if I start taking this seriously? And by this point, it was just me doing it. What happens if I treat this more like a business and, you know, give it everything that I want to? The passion I have behind it, what if I threw that at it? And I did for the summer. And we grew from like 400 or 300 subscribers up to 5,000. And at that point, I was like, okay, there's like really, really something here on this YouTube thing. There was no one really doing it at the time. I think the, the fantasy footballers probably started maybe like a year or two before then. I don't even know if they were on YouTube at this point. But each summer, it's been like a build up to the next summer. And that was like three years ago. Once we hit that 5,000 mark, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to start like pivoting my life around this because I could probably turn this into an actual like full-time business. And at that point I was working in marketing agencies, a couple in New York, a couple in uh, New Jersey. And I had been kind of gaining experience doing like paid stuff on the side. So working with bigger, like fortune 500 companies. So I'd gain experience through paid traffic and I'm starting to gain experience through like this organic traffic of building up a blog and building up a YouTube channel. And I became obsessed with, with building. I became obsessed with branding and marketing. And that became why I see things the way I do now. And the way I look at the industry and fantasy football in itself, um, comes from my actual experience in like real full-time jobs. And like last winter or whatever, I left the last marketing agency I was at to uh, pursue this full time. And at that point, I had been I had been making like good enough money to where I knew when summer came around, which is the most engaging part of the year for me in terms of both like growing subscribers and uh, making sales and products and whatever, things like that. I knew that like if I had put my focus away from marketing because I left my full time job and I was taking like freelance clients on the side for for doing their social marketing and stuff. I was like, if I put that to the side and I go full time on content, um, this will this will turn into a thing. And so last summer was the first summer that we did that. And uh, I blew away any expectations I had put on myself. And it, you know, uh, to this day, I'm like, I'm, I'm blown away by like how much support we've got through last summer. And now it's, you know, just completely a, a full time endeavor. So it's been a weird, windy road. Um, but at, at the start of it, I would say like, there was never a doubt. I never had a waiver in my belief that I would be where I'm at right now from the very, very beginning. I didn't know how I'd get there, but I knew I would be here. Man, what a story. That's badass, man. I love that. I didn't know that you were like full-time, full-time at this point. I guess I didn't really know a lot about you necessarily. I knew that you had a, obviously that massive platform that you're on with YouTube, but that's so badass because that's the dream, right? I mean, that's everybody's dream is talking mm -hmm. about fake football, <laughs> making real money, and not doing, I mean, much of anything else. So, I mean, you really are when, when Nick talks about this stuff, guys, you can get butthurt and you can get upset and you can be mad that he doesn't necessarily respond to every time he's mass tagged in a tweet, but the dude's living it right now. And he's living what basically the dream that everybody wants to live. And if you are upset by anything that he says, you need to understand it from that context and his point of view that he's saying it from his own personal experience. And he sort of touched on that before. Yeah. So like, 
when when I put out tweets like that that are more marketing and business related, it's not like to be pretentious. It's because I've made that mistake. Like if I'm saying something, I'm like, don't do this, do it this way. And people are like, why would you do it this way? I'm like, because I fucked up doing it that way in the beginning. So this is why you shouldn't do it that way. So I I, I don't want to come off pessimistic. I'm just very practical when it comes to these things. Cause I think you need, to, it, when it comes to business and real money, like you need to be practical. You can't be project, you can't be going into it like injury optimism man. not everything is best case scenario. So if you take what you've really learned and you try to crumble it down to the valuable pieces and try to project it onto other people to help them skip the, the, the bad learning parts of having to progress in their careers and their brands and stuff. I think it's, it's super helpful whether or not you, you like the tone I come out with. I just try to do it from a very real perspective from my own personal experiences. So then, I mean, we've totally gone off the rails. This is guys, just so everybody, everybody listening, this, this is not at all what we had planned on talking <laughs> about. I, we were going to talk about actual like fantasy football stuff, but this stuff's much more intriguing to me. Um, I love hearing people talk about their experience when it comes to being in the fantasy space. And I've gotten some feedback from listeners who say they like hearing other people's stories. So this is this is like ideal. This is fantastic. What would you say to somebody then? Let's say they've gotten they put in the bare minimum that we said. Let's say they're grinding. They've been grinding for, you know, since January, since after the Super Bowl, they've been putting out content. They've been putting out blogs, whatever, a podcast, whatever, and they need to get to that next level. What do you, in general, what advice would you give them? Because that's obviously it's hard to, to pinpoint specifics. Yeah, I think, I think it goes back to understanding the social platforms. Like when you don't have leverage in terms of having an audience and, and finding a platform which you can grow exponentially on, you have to continue to stay consistent. Like it, it's super cliche, but like there's no there's no shortcut to this shit. Like I've been doing this literally day in and day out for six fucking years, man. And it's not wasn't easy to get here. You know, it's 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 real life, and that's what you, you need to be. Listen, if you wanna if you want this to be full time, you you have to work full time at it while you're not full time. Right, that's the only way you really make that transition. Otherwise, there's gonna be someone else out there outworking you. So. Stay on top of the social platforms. When you see a TikTok exploding, yeah, it might be corny. It might be uncool when it starts, but guess what? So is Twitter. So is Instagram. So is Facebook. If you were first to market on those platforms, yes, someone might have made fun of you, but guess what? You're the one fucking laughing to the bank now, right? I don't mean to make this like a money thing, but when you're talking about full time, obviously the money has to come. And I think if you're genuinely passionate about it, then you're not going to burn yourself out. But if you're not, if you're in it for the money, then you will burn yourself out very, 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 very quickly. So I would say it needs to be consistent content and try to try to mainstream your your process. Right. There are there are a lot of tips of just like podcasting and YouTube. Like if you're making videos and you want to do a podcast, you could easily do that all within one step. Like if you have a webcam attached to your computer and you open up whatever video software you use, whether it's like QuickTime Player, which is free on Apple, you can uh, MacBook, whatever, you can literally record your videos. And as soon as you're done, you could also just go to the file, uh, the file tab on the top and then export that as an audio file. So now you have video to upload to YouTube. You got an audio file to upload to your podcast host. I use redcircle.com. This is not a paid, it's not a paid sponsorship right here, but redcircle.com is completely free. You can upload it and there's no maximum number of gigabytes you can put in. So streamlining your process is really, really important in a day and age where you need to try to be everywhere that you can. And the smaller your audience is, the more you have to keep your eyes open on the platforms that give you some sort of organic growth. You can't grow via blogging right now because everybody's blogging. The organic growth on 
podcasting is next to none as well. YouTube is still very good. And that's why you're seeing all of these channels start to jump over to YouTube because they realize that there's still a little bit of a land grab. And what I mean by organic reach or organic search is people organically finding you, right? Like through Google searching or on YouTube, you're just randomly searching. And if you could build an audience that way, that's the number one way to build it because it's really true fans and people who are building a foundation for you. But it's, it's very hard to find those platforms. So when you do, right, like Twitch is pretty much untapped on fantasy football right now. And uh, TikTok is there too. I think like Instagram has very much tapered off. But again, if you're first to market on one of these platforms, you're going to feel weird about it. You're going to feel vulnerable and be like, ah, this, this might seem like corny at first. It's what you have to do. It wasn't cool to put out YouTube videos about fantasy football six years ago. I promise you that. It felt very, very, very weird, but I'm fucking glad I did now, man. I really, really am. That's beautiful. God, this is like sense of a symphony to my ears because it's something outside of what we used to talk about. I think so many people are going to be interested in this too, man. What do you, what do you say to somebody then? Okay. You talked about earlier, like you need to find what you're good at. Like you knew you weren't good at writing. So you said, I'm just going to double down on this video shit. What do you say to somebody who's in the opposite boat? Cause you just said, you know, blogging isn't getting organic reach. What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you say to that person who's only good at writing potentially? You look at platforms that utilize, um, microblogging. You look at, you look at any platform that has good organic reach or organic search on it. it might even be TikTok, but I don't think they, they allow for a lot of comments, but, or a lot of characters within the um you know the caption underneath the video or whatever but you look at instagram in the early days right you start writing the you start writing your blogs within the instagram caption that shit was wildly popular on instagram for a long time twitter people blew up like i know multiple people within the industry that blew up over the last year just from writing really really good uh threads on twitter and those people now it's getting saturated to the point where like those threads are a little bit annoying now. So you're not really going to blow up via those, but those also have like the virality uh, possibility behind them. Right. So again, it always goes back to understanding the marketing portion of it and understanding where the organic reaches. So maybe it won't be a platform, but maybe it's a nuance within a platform that you see working really well. Like for instance, uh, quality video on Twitter right now, like two minute videos that maybe you pull from a long form video or two minute actual videos where you do some production work behind it. Really, 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 really good on Twitter. They will do two, three, four times the amount of views on Twitter that they will do on YouTube for someone that has, for me, obviously YouTube will do more because my platform on YouTube is way bigger, but say you have, you know, 5,000 on Twitter, 5,000 on YouTube, what you put on Twitter is going to do five times the amount. So again, it always goes back to trying to find the platform where you could find organic reach. Sometimes it won't be a brand new platform. They don't come around, you know, every two months, every three months, but a lot of the time it comes back to being nuanced within a platform. So reverse engineering what you're good at and finding out where the holes in those platforms are. Straight fire with the advice, straight fire. Man, this is so good. This has been fantastic. What, um, so you're saying, you know, basically, from a technical marketing standpoint, know what you're good at, know where the audience is, know how to find the audience, know how to put your content in front of those eyes. So now flipping, yes. sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yes, that needs to be priority number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10. What about knowing if your content's just dog shit? How do you know that? How do you know if your content's pure dog shit or the flip side? How do you know that your content is like fire as fuck, but nobody's seeing it or you can't get them in front of the, you know, you're not, you're, you're, you're doing your best, but you, you don't, you just can't seem to get any traction. 
man, I, I don't really know how to answer that question. I feel, I, I think it's more of a gut feeling. I think it's more of a, uh, a real feel. I think, I think like the most important thing in the world is having self-awareness and just awareness about like your surroundings as well as who you are as a person and, and understanding like when people say things, like how to put it into context to, to really get a feel for whether it's genuine, whether your stuff is really good, but it goes back to that point I made in the very, very beginning. Like, when I was younger, when I first, first started this, like I always knew I would be where I'm at today. Like I had this unwavering belief in myself. And again, it's not something that you can flip a switch. I don't know where it comes from. I, I don't know if I really have an answer for it, but like you either deep down believe in yourself or you don't. And I think a lot of that comes through. Um, uh, just give me one second real quick. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, I just had a text come through that it, it's kind of on a, a, a time. Yeah, no, no, you're fine. You're sensitive. fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is a tricky question cause I, I don't know. I don't really like to try to answer questions that I don't have experience right. with. So I've always, content. I've always felt really, yeah, like I've, I've always, uh, yeah. In one way to put it, if if the audience wants to, you know, like my content, that's cool. I've just always had that belief in myself. So like, no matter what I put out, I was like, I know this is good ass content. I worked as hard as I possibly could. And uh, again, the market is the market. So if they decide uh, it's good, then it's good. That's good. Right. Like it's not really a, not a subjective. Yeah, and if you, I think if you're putting in all the work that you talk about, if you're putting in the work to market it correctly, if you're putting in the work to know what platform you should be on, what your talents are, and you really are putting in you know, the effort to put it in front of the right audience at the right time, then that, that traffic will eventually come. And I think that speaks to just being patient and understanding that this, this shit's going to take some time. Um, now I would say the flip side is if you're five years into this and you've tried TikTok and you've tried Twitter and you've tried YouTube and you're not getting any traction, I think it's time to maybe look in the mirror and you've been consistent, obviously, and you've been consistent and maybe time to look in the mirror and have a little self-awareness and be like, okay, maybe I'm just not good at this. Maybe I need to change what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely a time and place. And I think that, you know, that comes back to having a, a feel for it. Like most yourself, I could, you know, you have self-awareness, obviously, if you're doing something for so long and it's not working out, it, it definitely is time to to pivot or try something drastically different. But yeah, unfortunately, there's there's some people that are going to have it. There's some people that aren't going to have it. Again, though, I, I think it comes full circle. Like if you believe you have it, you probably do. If you're really passionate about something, you put the work behind it and you feel like it is going in the right direction. It probably is. Most people are just very, very impatient. Yeah. I think patience is, is, is huge. It's huge for that. So man, we fucking, we've, we've good. We talked about some good ass shit. What did, we've talked about yeah. basically the marketing side of it. We've talked about, um, we've talked about how to get in front of the right audience. We've talked about knowing what talent to knowing what talent you know, to utilize, what else would you have to say? I know that like, now I'm just like leaving the floor open here for the last, whatever, five minutes, 10 minutes before I get you out of here. What else, what else would you say from a marketing perspective? You see, you see people make a mistake with, uh, it can be in the fantasy industry or not at all. Um, I would say the fantasy industry is a good example of this because it, it most of it has been driven. The growth of the fantasy industry has been driven through Twitter for the most part and blogging up to this point. And, uh, I've had a lot of people probably like the biggest names in the industry DM me and approach me asking for like consulting on, on YouTube and things like that. And 
almost all of them immediately is like, you know, the first thing they say is like, we're not seeing the traction that we should be seeing. And I was like, okay, well, that's like problem number one is, you know, you don't, you don't deserve to have a platform elsewhere because they're very, very different. And that's why contextual, contextual content, you know, native content to a specific platform is so important, right? If you blew up on blogging, if you worked really hard to blow up via blogging or to blow up via podcasting and you go over to YouTube, it's a different game. It's a different world. Like you have to work equally hard to blow up over there. Like, yes, you can siphon the audience that you've built in location A and B over there. And that's the easiest way to start doing it. But you also have to cater to what they're telling you to do on that platform. So I do think like, it, you know, when I talk about Twitter is annoying because no one tweets anymore and people get mad about it. I'm like, I'm not wrong. Like you, no one is tweeting anymore. And that's why you're probably not growing on Twitter. YouTube, a lot of people put podcasts right on YouTube. And I get that that is streamlining the process, but there's a reason that a lot of people on YouTube aren't going to grow is because they're putting up just like an audio file on YouTube and it is getting it out there a little bit. But if you're trying, like whatever you're trying to do, like if you're trying to blow up on YouTube, if you're trying to get bigger on YouTube, like you have to make YouTube videos, you have to make videos, right? It's a video platform. If you want to be good at podcasting, you have to record the audio out there. So it's like, I think like understanding who is your audience on a specific platform and making sure that what you put out there is contextual to it. Like, Think about when you're scrolling down Twitter, you're scrolling down Instagram or you're on YouTube, like what appeals to you, right? And take some of that stuff and start to integrate it into what you're putting out there, right? Because you're not going to want something that's shitty that someone's putting out that's not contextual. So why would you in turn do the same thing to your audience, you know? Yeah, sorry, I put myself on mute there. I was listening. Um, no, yeah, you 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 strike the, you strike a point that really I think summarizes what we're talking about at all is just being aware of what you're doing, being aware of the platform you're on, and being being self aware enough to understand that the content that you're using on that platform um, is going to blow up and it's going to eventually catch catch some fire. Man, this has been honestly such a good conversation. I think that this is going to be this has honestly blown my expectations out of the water. Um, I thought it was a little a little odd when you asked me if I wanted to be on video and you said something like, do you, you know, if you tell me yours or something, I said, Nick, let's keep it professional. So um, that, that was really that was really interesting to me. But no, I'm just kidding. You didn't say that. Uh, but this has been a good conversation, man. Um, I think a lot of people are going to get some value out of understanding how to market themselves. And marketing doesn't have to be a dirty word. It's just a, a matter of fact, you're trying to grow, especially if you're trying to grow an audience to make money to be full time. This is going to be absolutely fan fucking fantastic. Name one player so so that we get a, get away with actually with it actually being a, like a fantasy sports podcast. Name one player you don't like this year. You don't even have to give me a reason, but you can. No, one player. Oh, uh, I'm going to go Todd Gurley and David Johnson. Both oh god, amazing! Two players that you like then. I love Miles Sanders. I love uh, I love Allen Robinson. I love DJ Moore. I love. Terry McLaurin with all oh, my beautiful, heart. absolutely beautiful. What's the last? All right, so the the last bandaid advice, and you asked me what a bandaid advice was, and it was a very reasonable question because it doesn't make a lot of sense when you read it straight without context. What's one bandaid of advice? You know, just a piece of advice you give to the fantasy football community. It can be not to the fantasy football football community. It can be to the world at large. You have a platform, this tiny little podcast, to talk about a piece of advice that you want um, other people to hear. What would that be? Okay. Can I, I actually wrote down like four after you gave me the definition of what you meant by a band aid, and they're all very random. Yes, so I'm going to kind of spitfire them yeah. out for you. All right. 
Okay, so number one, if you are like me and you have a lot of trouble deciphering how to use effect versus effect, <laughs> don't ever use don't ever use either of them and just use the word use yes, the word impact. Yes, I use it that. Yes, such good time. advice. Yes. You never have to use effect or effect. Just throw the word impact in there and it works <laughs> every time. Okay. Tip number two. Always hydrate before you caffeinate. Okay. So when you wake up, you're about to drink your coffee, make sure you chug a bottle of water. Number three, speaking, I guess, also on like diet and nutrition, if you have never tried intermittent fasting, you should do so. People talk about breakfast being the most important meal of the day. That is the biggest fake news. I've, I haven't eaten breakfast in 10 years. I feel fan. I get more work done than most, most people that you see in a given day. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I don't know if I can attribute that to intermittent fasting or just the, uh, the fact that I don't really eat, sleep, or eat much. It's actually probably uh, an unhealthy. Yeah, so maybe don't be jacked then. Yeah, maybe stop with the jacked. Okay, continue. Yeah. But intermittent fasting, very good. It keeps your brain very, 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 very sharp. So you don't always have to eat breakfast. And the last thing I will put, which is more uh, branding focused again, is starting something can be very, very intimidating if you're starting to look at people who have bigger follower counts and bigger subscriber numbers. But what you have to realize, which is really, really important, is that when you're starting, the same way that I'm gonna feel when I hit 50,000 subscribers on YouTube, you're gonna feel that same happiness when you hit your first 50 subscribers. I promise you that. It's all relative to where you are in life, right? Like that, That's the same thing with most problems in life. Like everyone has problems. You might look at someone's life and be like, you know, that's really cool. Like Nick gets to do fantasy football videos full time. Like I listen, I got a fucking handful of problems that most people would probably not want to deal with either. So it's relative to where you're at in life. When you're starting something, don't worry about the numbers because you're going to feel, I promise, just as good hitting those subtle numbers, but they're your numbers as someone who is relatively bigger hitting a bigger number. So don't let the numbers disguise you. Don't let them fool you. I promise you'll have just as good of a time if you enjoy the process with the with the little milestones along the way. Oh, chef's kiss. <laughs> chef's kiss. Such a badass piece of advice. Um, also, use the word impact. Man, this has been literally one of the most enlightening conversations I've ever had. And I mean that sincerely and genuinely mean that. Um, it didn't here just, just for the listeners to, to, to recap. Here's here's the question. So here are the questions that I had for Nick. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Do you have a favorite NFL team? Are you an NFL fan? One player at each position you love, then one player you hate. How do you view injuries? What's your 2020 philosophy in fantasy football? What's your general fantasy football philosophy? Here's the question that Nick answered. How'd you start in fantasy football? So this is the beaten path we went off, but I feel like it provided the most possible value we could have squeezed out of this conversation, man. So I really do appreciate you coming on. Yeah, dude, I, I had a blast. And just going off that, like when I said in the beginning, you know, if we don't do any talk about fantasy football, I'm cool with that. This this shit really, really is my I feel like I was built for like marketing and branding. So when I get the opportunity to talk about it, I will I will go off for days. And what I, it, it, I'm so attracted to it that I feel like at this point, fantasy football is like a reverse engineer way of me owning your marketing craft. It. Right. Yeah. Like it could be fantasy football just happens to be product X. Like in five years, I might just do like marketing consulting. I might do, you know, X, Y or Z. I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but, you know, that will always be the core focus of uh, of what I promise. Awesome, man. Absolutely. I totally understand that. Make sure you go follow Nick, uh, on YouTube. First of all, Nick Arcolano on, on, on the YouTubes. But if you want to go to Twitter, cause that's where most of my listeners are at Nick underscore BDGE, 
Um, you'll find him in his link tree, not his LinkedIn, unless you want to have some sort of weird lunch and marketing discussion with him. Um, then you can find his LinkedIn, but go to at Nick underscore BDGE on Twitter. You'll find all of his stuff that he's at. Thanks again for coming on, man. Um, I think that's it. So we will catch everybody later. Adios.